Shabababababababa. Okay, I think it's working. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Liquid Sound, a show dedicated to music, songwriting, and the creative process. I'm your host, Gino Brand, and we are brought to you in cooperation with the Liquid Arts Network, connecting artists and communities since 2000. Today, we're very happy to welcome to the show Amy Green and Jessica Lynch from the Chiltronica duo Bathing Bells. Jess and Amy joined us remotely from their current stateside home, and we had a great time talking about expiration dates on relationships, the challenges and joys of home recording, rocking out at the town general store, and we had a good laugh at our earliest songwriting efforts. We also listened to a few of their tracks, and this first Dream Soul Beauty is called Silk. Oh, 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 oh. 
Uh, Amy and Jess, welcome to Liquid Sound. It's so great to hear your voices. Hi, oh, Gina. Thank you. Hey. It's so great to hear yours. <laughs> so tell me about that song. Tell me about Silk. Well, <laughs> it was written when we were living in Barcelona for a small... We had a few months where we lived in Barcelona together. And we also had recently taken a trip to Thailand. And so a lot of the imagery is taken from this really magical night on the beach where we were like lounging on these pillows. Uh, we had, we had kind of gotten into a resort that was closed down. So we were like lounging on these resort pillows in the middle of the night on by the ocean. And that's where the silk and ocean waves imagery comes from. But the song overall is about kind of parting ways with a friend. And it's just kind of about how you have to sometimes let things go in order to eventually get them to be sustainable again in the future, hopefully. The so. word expiration dates comes to mind. Yeah. It's a, a lyric in the song, which it's hard to remember at this point, but it's probably related to that, like an expiration date of a friendship, I guess. Yes. But I also liked expiration dates at the time because to me it was like, that was when Amy and I had first met and we were meeting up in different parts of the world because we didn't live in the same country at the time. And there was always some kind of expiration date, like, oh, we're together for these three months in Spain and then we're parting ways. So to me, the expiration date was kind of a positive thing. Like, since there's this expiration date, it, it feels so exciting when we're together. Mm. So yeah, it's a it's a bit of a sad song, but it's one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And it's gone through many different iterations. Yeah, it started as just an acoustic riff. Could we hear it? Yes. I haven't played it in a long time. pretty much it oh that's lovely i did want to ask like how how do you guys usually split up the songwriting duties between the two of you <laughs> yeah we it's kind of just fluid but it does tend to be either jess comes up with a riff or i come up with a melody and mm -hmm. then we just kind of go from there mm -hmm. but yeah i feel like i'm more the melody well jess makes a lot of beautiful melodies too but that's what I feel the most comfortable with is making melodies. And yeah, so, and then, so we just kind of put our heads together and usually do the writing together. And sometimes we just sit down and like hammer out lyrics, usually after a melody has been created. Right. Like we have a melody that we need lyrics for, and we just sit down with some paper and when we're in the right mood. Mm -hmm. If we try to force it, <laughs> it doesn't work. But, or if one of us does lyrics, then we usually will come together and work on it with the other person as well so that it ends up becoming a better product overall once both influences are in it. Right. 
how did you first sort of get into making music together? We met at an open mic night in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And we found out we both worked at the airport. Just a coincidence. Uh, we met at an open at a bar, which was having open mic. I didn't shout realize. out to the Chatterbox in Minneapolis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So long story short, I mean, Amy ended up moving to Korea a few months after that, but we snuck in a trip to Chile before she left because we both had these flight benefits. And we ended up going to 10 different countries in their first two years of dating and playing open mics. And playing open mics. In yeah. Each one. And I hadn't collaborated with a lot of people. And her and our friend Jamal kind of invited me into their music making den and invited me to like play music with them. <laughs> and so I just started jamming with them. And it, it was the first time I'd ever experienced this really beautiful, almost like a spiritual collaboration of music with other people. And it just has never really stopped since then. And it persisted through all of our travels. And then finally, when we moved back to Minneapolis after like a year of traveling is when Bathing Bells was created. And we decided, oh, we should like make this a band. And instead of playing just open mics, we should record some music. We should mm -hmm. play some shows. We went on a little tour in the Pacific Northwest, which was really fun, two Octobers ago. Then we moved to Korea, and we would play shows there as often as we could. Yeah, that's how it all began. That's the the way it started. The origin story. <laughs> yeah, the origin. That's awesome. So could you each talk a little bit about like some early songwriting memories? Like what first got you into to making music? Hmm... I remember being drawn to just any kind of writing from a young age. Like I was an only child until I was 11. So I think that probably has something to do with it. I had to find things to keep myself entertained. As far as like my first song, well, I ended up getting a guitar when I was 15. <laughs> I, I do remember the first song I ever wrote on it, but like, I really, I can't sing that for you right now. It is the most <laughs> embarrassing thing I've ever heard in my life. No, uh, it's amazing. And it's now you have to play it. Please don't make me do that. Please don't make me do that. You have to play it. <laughs> okay, okay. Jess is pleading. Okay, that's it's all right. so bad. We won't, we won't put you on the spot, but um, I'm so curious. Like, what's it about? What's What's embarrassing about it? It's rebellious. Oh, it's rebellious. <sighs> Go on, Jess. <laughs> okay, it's just, it's weird because I don't know why I wrote this. Like, and I don't know who it was about. It wasn't about me. I just want to make that clear, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Imagine cycling between like an... A and an A sus two, okay? Mm. <laughs> it's like, she's got freckles on her face and hair down to her toes. She sucks her thumb at night and she even picks her nose. So what? I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. 
that was that oh, was the yeah. chorus, the it's so what part. Cool. And then I think there was more verses. It's I think it's a it's a really good first song. It's a, no, it's not. <laughs> like I don't think anyone should ever sweetly say I don't give a fuck. Like that's just so <laughs> weird. And like, who is this girl that I'm writing about? I think it's about me. You just didn't know it yet. <laughs> it is possible that it is possible. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you for sharing. That's yeah. very cool. I mean, I'm sure everybody's first song. They probably cringe when they think about it, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. But that's, maybe that's not really Mike cool. Ventola's first song. I bet it was good. <laughs> right. How about you, Amy? Well, I remember, it's, it's so funny. I When I was really young, I think now since I've been teaching and stuff, I think about little kids' psychology more and more. Mm. But when I was young, I wrote lyrics, and my friends and I wanted to be in a band. We must have been sixth graders or fifth graders. And I don't know, my mom like found the lyrics to our song somewhere. And it was just about like laying, laying with you under the stars. <laughs> and she <laughs> took it to be like way more sexual than it was intended to be. And it basically it was like, what is this that you're writing? Like, <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I don't think this is appropriate. And I don't know. I just never, I didn't write another song for a long time. Until I was 26 years old and going through some sad times. And yeah, I just put up a hammock by the Mississippi River in Minneapolis with my ukulele and just played like three chords that I knew because I was a novice ukulele player. And a song popped out and it is I still play it every once in a while. And that was kind of the beginning. I started writing sad songs initially. And then it has really evolved based on collaborations that I've been able to do. You know, like I worked at a coffee shop with a bunch of artists, music people, and they brought out, again, they brought out like this more spiritual side of music to me that I just hadn't tapped into my whole life. So yeah, I I feel like my songwriting, I owe it largely to some really inspirational musical companions over the past 10 years or so. Jess and Ventola and you and all the people in Busan that I got to play music with. That was a whole nother. It's just, I feel so lucky to have like these other musicians that have played music with me over the past. It just always adds into the repertoire. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, can we hear bird songs? Sure. Absolutely. Which chirp, I love chirp, chirp. the name of this because I feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all songs are bird songs in a way, right? It's, exactly. It's true. Exactly. So how did this song come about? We wrote this song in Busan in our apartment, which I miss dearly. We could see the ocean from our window and also lots of doves that would sit outside of our window. Oh, yeah, the pigeons. <laughs> and kind of inspired by being up in the sky looking down at the ocean and we wanted it to have like an airy magicalness to it i guess i'm trying to remember the the word you were mine until you faded into a silhouette from my dark mouth Mm -hmm. 
And then the line that's like, I feel you by heart now. I really like those lines because it's kind of about when you're with someone for so long that you stop really experiencing them and seeing them as they truly are. Like you start to see them as a reflection of how they fit into your reality. Right. So that I feel you by heart now is like, you're not really actively perceiving like what this person is giving off. You're just already assuming you know them. And this is all happening like on a deeply subconscious level, obviously. Yeah, just like the way that you might just do certain actions subconsciously or sing a song absentmindedly because you just know it by heart and you know it so well. Just that too much. 
your recordings have such a lush texture. Oh. Could you kind of walk me through your recording process? Thank you. Thank you so much. That's such a nice compliment. It is my pleasure. What is our recording situation? I mean, we've, we don't have a studio, but we've just kind of, wherever we wind up, we create like a little in-home studio section because we've moved around a lot like throughout the making of these songs mm-hmm. it's it's fun to figure it all out and just play around with things and it's a lot of just trial and error yeah i like recording at home because i find that as soon as the mic is turned on suddenly it just becomes so much more difficult to exude appropriately and like nail the take like it just feels like so much more pressure you know and especially when you're in a studio and you're maybe being recorded by someone you don't know very well and it's just a lot easier if you can just try it as many times as you want with privacy and also it's cheaper Mm -hmm. um i know that like recording can be such a like a hyper-focused process you know, mm-hmm. where your attention is completely absorbed in the, the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And I know that from like previous conversations that we've had, Jess, you said that's a state that comes pretty naturally to you. But Amy, I know that you've mentioned that that's kind of harder for you to, to access that, that yes. attention zone. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'd say J- Jess is very technically minded. So she has a she has a good handle on all the technical aspects of recording. And I'm, I'm getting there. Like I, I do appreciate learning all that stuff as well, but she typically takes the reins on that part. And for me, sometimes I can get really, um, I can get a little bummed out when I realize that it doesn't sound the way that it feels mm-hmm. to me. You know, like it's, it's a very humbling experience. I think especially, with vocals, I'm sure it's the same with any instrument, but with my vocals being my main instrument, it's like, it can be a little deflating or disheartening when I feel like I'm not able to exude the same amount of passion in front of a microphone as I feel like I am able to when I'm just playing, you know, on the deck or outside or whatever in a casual setting. Mm -hmm. So that can be challenging But a few months ago, we were putting in a lot of time into recording because we do have plans to release an album. Our situation has all been kind of up in the air lately, so we don't really have the ability to record as seriously now in our current living situation. But eventually, we're going to get back into the recording groove and uh, get some songs out there. So I'm looking, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Me too. And it's funny how I feel like we can be, or at least I can be so hard on myself when I first record something. I'm like, oh, this just isn't good enough. It's not good enough. And then, but I just recently revisited something we recorded during those two months. And I'm like, oh, this is fine. Like, this is definitely like good enough to put out, you know, like, it's funny. Yeah, there's a level of like perfectionism that is just detrimental, you know. I think to a degree, <laughs> but it's really hard to see it in the, in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you have a little space between yourself and the recording or whatever, it, you know, like you get a lot less hard on yourself. I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I do think that. Not sometimes, always. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I listen back and I'm like, Oh wow. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. That sounds bad. <laughs> 
gonna have to redo that yeah yeah it's funny each time you listen to to like your own music i feel like it could go either way sometimes i'll find errors in songs that we've had out for a long time all of a sudden these certain things will make me cringe about it or the things that used to make me cringe have faded away and i'm just in love with it (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's you know we are fickle minds and it's true (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's let's listen to Reckoning. Okay. This was a song that you put together on your Novation circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is kind of like a little synth box. I don't even know how to describe this machine. Yes. Yeah, I think they call it a groove box. Groove box. A groove box. Okay. <laughs> we actually wrote that song specifically for Kelly's podcast um open mic that he had a few months ago like right when the quarantine hit and amy woke up with this melody the one yeah i think okay well we were living in mexico city and we were in a small apartment quarantine had just hit in mexico city things weren't going as we had planned and just feeling a little bit down in that moment and i remembered this line came to me like i just want to leave my damn apartment (laughs) (laughs) misery loves company i just want to leave my damn apartment and so that's how it started and then i i was kind of in a in a mopey mood and i was like i'm just gonna sit in this room with this with this groove box (laughs) with the novation and see if I can come up with some stuff. Just try to like channel this blase energy into music. Oh, and then she, she had written something and then accidentally deleted. Yeah, I accidentally song. deleted everything. <laughs> but that then she, really I'm sad. like, okay, you can do it. You can rewrite it. It's all still there so. in your heart. And then she did and it ended up being better. Yeah. So then we came up, we wrote some lyrics and we had our, our roommate at the time was helping us a little bit with the lyrics as well. And we were like, well, it's the truth. It's quarantine. It's not a walk in the park, literally. <laughs> literally, it's not a walk in the park. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of fun just to, we had this goal to make a song for the open mic, and we did it in one day. So yeah. that felt good to just achieve it. Yeah. Because I think I had didn't realize, like, oh, the deadline's tonight, and it just kind of naturally, organically, and with the work mm-hmm. you put in. Yeah. Came came together. Yep. It's a relic of a very real point in history of our shared quarantine trauma. Did you ever get to leave your damn apartment in Mexico City? <laughs> we did. We very, did. very in infrequently, but yes. But a lot of good came from it. I mean, you know, it just wasn't what we thought it was gonna be. Like like the mantra of 2020. <laughs> yeah. The reckoning is referring to like you're forced to be inside and face these versions of you're you're left with facing yourself. So how does the word go? Yeah. Ooh, I'm left facing. Ooh, ooh. And it's just like I'm left facing my own personal issues that maybe I was able to be distracted with other life things before and kind of ignore these personal issues that I had. But right. now I'm left with just those in this room.
Because your music relies on a bit of electronics and processing, what are some methods or tricks that you have for recreating that sound live? Hmm. It's a good question. We're still developing those tricks. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they go over better than others. Jess has a looping pedal. Oh, yeah. I Which, have a looping pedal that has the ability to sync with a MIDI clock. Mm -hmm. So basically, we've used our laptop and audio interface. And then from the audio interface, a MIDI cable goes right into my loop pedal. So if there's a beat playing, I can record a loop on top of the beat and it'll be guaranteed to be in sync. Because if we didn't have that feature, like even if it was just like the slightest millisecond off, it would eventually become a problem. Mm -hmm. So that right. was an essential piece of gear to have. Yes. Instead of being able to recreate like a lot 
of the effects that we have in our recorded versions of songs or the way that we maybe intend them to be. Instead of recreating them all live, we've been performing with like a a backing track that we have written ourselves and created. Like a stripped down version of the song and then we'll take more of the parts live. Yeah, so like if we have like a bass sound or certain synth sounds um, and beat, we'll just have that backing track playing And I have like a little MIDI keyboard in front of me usually where I can trigger the beginning of songs and stop them and then maybe control some effects of the backing track. And then additionally, there are some songs where the MIDI keyboard is used to actually play a riff while we're playing live. We tried to keep like our setup minimal, even though it requires quite a lot right. to get the more electronic things to vibe with the music. And maybe you remember me saying when I was in Korea that I, I started to develop like a more complicated relationship with playing live. Like I wasn't sure if I really liked doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And part of that I think is related to using the laptop and the backing tracks and all of this setup and all of these extra chords that you have to plug in and make sure that the sound system is going to work with it and stuff. Like I was remembering all of a sudden I realized like, Oh yeah, I remember like back when we played those open mics or even just playing at the basement in PNU, like how simple it was and how much fun I had. So it's not that I don't like playing live, but I do think that there's some magic that gets lost when you try to take two people and do all of these tasks during the show and use the laptop. There's just a little bit of a like spiritual vibe that gets lost. But and I know some people do it really well and I love I love it. But for us I think like the dream would be if we had a couple more people to like a person playing synth, a person playing the bass, person playing the drums. Maybe we could recapture some of these songs in a more organic way and and still be able to have fun playing live where we're really feeling each other and not like a slave to this, to the laptop essentially. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whenever you add more pieces of technology, that's like just more, you know, possible things that could go wrong right Mm -hmm, which adds to the subconscious level of stress Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely we haven't had a lot of big fails with technology luckily but there have been some also it was a new challenge when we started Mm -hmm. because we we definitely started out playing more organic like acoustic instruments just our voices ukulele and guitar that's how we started all of our music. But then, but both of us love music that has electronic elements to it. So we really wanted to be able to incorporate that into the, into our stuff. But also, you know, it's just, it's been hard to find a balance between losing the soul of our music while we incorporate electronic stuff in. Sometimes we find, oh, wow, this song doesn't sound anything like the way that we wrote it, but we got so hyper-focused on like adding all these electronic layers to it. And the final product, you compare it to the way it started, and it's like, whoa, all the soul is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that we've actually had quite a bit. So it's it's just been, it's an interesting challenge to try to get it so that both worlds exist and are represented. Mm -hmm. 
And our idea for our album that we've been working on is kind of to release two separate EPs, I guess, where one of them is the stripped down songs and the other one is the more um, electronic-y sounding ones, but release them together. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, well, usually on this show, we have a bit of live performance where, you know, I join the guests for a song, but unfortunately, the, we're doing this remotely. So that's, I don't think we quite have the technology yet to make that possible. Right. Just too bad. Love to play with Gino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but fortunately, we do have a previously recorded live performance from Bathing Bells. And this song is Dark Waves. Yes. Recorded at the venue Discovery Bay, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was from our tour that Amy mentioned two Octobers ago. Um, And yeah, it was in this very tiny cafe, bar cafe. On the Olympic Peninsula. So It was so beautiful, though, this town, Discovery Bay, Washington. It was a really magical experience getting to go there. Like nestled into the rainforest, <laughs> into the rainforest, fern forest, essentially. We had maybe 10 people watching us. It was kind of like the middle of nowhere. And it was just, here we are playing an a- these two city girls playing <laughs> it was an like, hour yeah. show and people seemed to appreciate it. It was like a bar attached to the town general store. Very cool. Like that kind of vibe. Which I love. Yeah, loved it too.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Liquid Sound. We'd like to give a huge thanks to Bathing Bells for sharing their music with us. If you'd like to hear more, head on over to bathingbells.net or follow them on Instagram at bathing underscore bells. Their music is also on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp. And as always, we will have those links in the description notes of this episode. And a quick word from Bathing Bells. We love you. 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 And we love you too. For upcoming info about the Liquid Arts Network, you can find us at liquidartsnetwork.com. If you or someone you know would like your music featured on our show, send an email to liquidsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the Liquid Sound Podcast, share the show with your friends, and if you haven't yet, take a moment to give us a review and a five-star rating. It really does help listeners find the show. On behalf of everyone at the Liquid Arts Network team, we thank you so very much for listening today. And if you've made it this far, then you're in luck. We've got a little holiday gift for you, a little bonus chat that Amy and Jess and I had while we were taking a break from the interview. Hope you enjoy it, and we will see you very soon. Cool. Feel free to cut out my song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really want me to, I will, but I think it was very sweet. I thought okay. it was really sweet, too. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll get somebody maybe it'll inspire somebody to release their 14 year old first song you never know I mean I'm thinking about like the first song that I wrote when I was yeah. in sixth grade and it's like it's so cringe is <laughs> it I want to know it so badly is it recorded uh no god no I think what was it well okay it was like me and a friend of mine we started a band quote unquote because I just started taking guitar lessons even though like he didn't really actually play any instruments, but he's like, okay, I'm, I'm the drummer. I was like, all right, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture that. Really. And I was like, okay, I'll play guitar. And I, I just, just imagine like a G and a C chord. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> <laughs> that... and it's, it sounds like every rose has its thorn, you know, that poison. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, but the lyrics were like, um, when you, <laughs> God, it's so embarrassing. When you see, what you mean to me, <laughs> then maybe you'll give me a try. And um, <laughs> something else. That's not like, bad. It was pretty dumb. It, it was, I, I mean, think it was called Why. Like Aww. Why. But the band's name, are you ready for this? Oh my gosh, yes. Crescendo Cradle. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no way. So like you get ramped up and then like. To be held, to be rocked, ramped up and rock. Get ready to be ramped up and rocked. That's what your slogan could have been. Oh (laughs) Oh my my god! God. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That is really good. Oh my gosh! Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh boy.